0: of this presentation, I will need some people to read with me. So if you have children that are good readers, I'm looking at two of you. When, when the time comes, and it will be recognizable for everybody, I would like for you to come down, sit in a chair, open your Bibles to Psalm 78, and get ready to read. We're going to do what we call in Sunday School uh, kind of a read-around, and uh, I need at least five readers. So I see four of my readers, and maybe we can have somebody else dive in, whether that can be Cami 1 or Cam- and or Cami 2. We probably need both of them. All right, um, so Psalm 78 is what we're going to be talking about today. It's pretty long. Um, we're not going to get through it, so we're just going to try our best. If we happen to get there, great. If we don't happen to get there, great. Um, it's a great... Psalm, I like it because it's of its history, so I'm gonna delve into some background before we get rolling if this works and it doesn't. Okay, so um, yeah, so I had 17 slides, and then I sent my Presentation to one of my daughters, whose name is Deborah, that many of you may know. And she made it interesting, and she animated it to no end. So there's a lot of animation in here. Um, and so everything that you, everything that's cool about it, I had nothing to do with it. Okay, so just some general background. Um, all those questions that Pastor wanted us to talk about um, are here. Just. The who, what, when, where, and why, let's, let's delve into that a little bit. He said, talk about keywords." Uh, Psalm 78 has a lot of words repeated. That means it's the same word, like over and over and over again, okay? So pick that up as we hear this read to us or as you read it. Uh, words like believe, words like believed, words like trust. Words like forgot, remember, hide. That's an interesting word, actually. We'll get into some of Mr. Glancy's thoughts here, too. Vanity, which is in tra- translated vanity in the ESV. Estranged, which is really a bad word. It's, it's meaning it has a very negative, a negative meaning. That's that zer. It's a very uh, simple thing. And then limited. And limited is not in the ESV version. It's in the uh, um, King James version. And it's not really limited. It means kind of shred something to pieces, which is kind of interesting. It's that that whole notion that the the Hebrew text has um, more buried in it, the Hebrew word has more buried in it than the simplified English language describes. Maybe that's a good way to say it. Maybe it's not, maybe I just lost everybody. Oh, so believe and believe. So the whole point about this is just to show you in comparison to Webster, which Webster is a great guy. I I like him and I like dictionaries. Um, And here's just the the straight meaning for believed from uh, Webster. It's to accept the truth and uh, to have confidence in it, to have faith. And like I said, that came from the the Whopper Dictionary, the unabridged. And then um, Alman, which is uh, uh, 559 in the Strong's, Um, it's a little bit more. It's it's almost like a parental supporting added into that, uh, along with um, kind of being able to encourage a backbone. Okay? So to have, it, it kind of strengthens you. So belief in God should be strengthening us, right? So that's kind of the notion. All right, trust. Uh, it's that Hebrew word. And uh, it, it also has mixed with it this sense of refuge. You know, I can trust a chair, but I don't think it's my necessarily my place of refuge. Maybe you have a chair in your house that you believe is a place of refuge. Uh, but, um, that's kind of the little bit oomph that the, the Hebrew adds to, to this. this. Um, Forgot, yeah. There, there's a little bit more there. It's this. It brings the notion of being oblivious. So, uh, or or just ignoring and not paying attention. Uh, in 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 addition to hey, I just didn't remember this. Uh, remember, it's pretty much remember. Um, nothing too noteworthy there, you know. And places where that's in, in the scriptures is, uh, you know, God remembered Noah after he'd been on, uh, floating on the water for hundreds of days. Um, you know, God remembered Hannah and, and blessed her with a, with a child. And God remembered the children of Israel when they were imprisoned in Egypt. Okay. Hide, now this is, a, this is, a, this is in the opening piece. And, and you'll hear this and, and this has this notion that by hiding something it's to the it's to the detriment of the person you're hiding it from like they're going to be harmed if you conceal this thing and that's that's kind of hideous and I, I think we do this so I, you know you need to think about these words okay vanity everybody knows vanity it's in Ecclesiastes it means breath or exhale it comes from Hebel um, in its brevity and uh, futility and uh, yeah that's what that's what Ecclesiastes t- talks about estranged is a like I said it's kind of a bad word it is very very negative kind of thinking to it to be estranged is, is profane um, so in, in, the, in the text, you'll see that you know, Israel was deprived of their cravings, and this is what um, Pastor Kerr brought out um, before summer. I think it was your last sermon, Numbers 11. So uh, we'll, we'll touch base on a little bit of his sermon. We'll see how he did. Um, okay. Well, we may not get there. You never know. Okay, so li- this limited word is not really limited. Like I said, it's this, this teva, it's kind of shred something to pieces, and or scraping something to pieces, and um, how it's used is very interesting, and Spurgeon has a whole sermon on that one word, limited, that, that phrase in this, in this text, and it's, it's a pretty interesting sermon. I'll mention some of the things that he said. Uh, so the who, what, and the why, um, at the opening of it, it's a maskil of Asaph, and a maskil's like, a, a song or poem of instruction, so when you see this, it's like be ready to listen and learn. Uh, The the time frame of this is very interesting, and um, you have this beginning piece, because I broke it into three pieces just because three's the magic number. And um, so I took, you know, like a first eight verses, the last eight, this thing has got to have a monster a uh, structure to it from a chiastic point of view. I'm sure it does. I'm not literary, and I, I care about that stuff, but I don't. I didn't take the time to dig through it and pull it all together, but it's, it's there. Um, and somebody can probably point it out to us as we go through it. Um, what else on this? So to give you some questions before we jump into reading, um, oh, back to the when part. So the when part, um, Asaph, does everybody know who he was? Who was Asaph? He, he was a Levite. He had, he, if he's the Levite described in uh, First Chronicles 16, I think it's verse 4 and 5, um, he, he's, he's a Levite that kind of led the ark into battle. So it's very interesting, the context of it, and when you start thinking about that. So this has happened sometime after, um, and I'll ask you this question again, but I'll tell you up front now, before the Ark of the Covenant was stolen by the Philistines, if you remember that story in 1 Samuel. We're gonna talk a little bit about that. So sometime after that, but he's looking back on this, and he's seeing it, so it's very interesting to hear the history and Asaph's, or God's perspective on man through Asaph as we read the psalm. Um, And I talked about word repetition already. So some of the themes that I would like for us to consider is this theme about remembering and not remembering all the things that God does and how that should move us, change us, alter our thinking, live. It's pretty simple. This believing and not believing. What do we believe about what we're gonna read and what we don't believe about what we're gonna read? And we should get that kind of straight in our heads because we need to understand what motivates us to do things. Um, In the middle of this psalm, oh, this thing about trust. Yeah, trusting and not trusting. Because in the middle of this psalm, there seems to be like a volley back and forth of this is what God's doing this is man's response, or this is the Israelites' response. And God is doing this, how gracious and merciful and awesome God is, and look how they respond to the blessings that God has given them. Yeah, a man definitely comes across as the heel in this, in this, uh, in this psalm, um, yeah. And then through that, God shows a lot of his character and attributes. and. Um, we need to remember those things. He also shows his relationship to his people and just how gracious he is. And then through that, kind of the promises of God, that ties in. Why does that tie in? Because you're looking back to God, the promises God made to the nation of Israel when he first pulled them out of Egypt and the promises that he made and how those people listened or didn't listen to those promises, how they obeyed or didn't obey his commandments. Okay, so the three sections, like I told you, I broke this thing into are these three, if I can get through all Pip's wonders. Okay, the first one is this kind of call to instruction Um, and like the first eight verses, Then the next big slug is several verses we'll say. And uh, just God's marvelous works, okay? His wondrous works that he performs. And we should talk about these works. These are works that you nor I can probably accomplish. So I would put them in the miracle bucket. Hopefully you will see them as miracles as well. But God performs miracles for his people. Some of those miracles may be to to their punishment or Maybe a little challenging. I think God challenges us pretty constantly. And then at the end, I really didn't know how to bucket the end, but so I just came up with something, really. There, there wasn't anything consistent in what I read, but I saw it as God marching on, building his church, completing his promises. Okay? So with that, uh, if I could have at least five volunteers to come up and Help me read through this, Benny. You're a volunteer. If you can, if you feel like reading, and Neil, and can I have uh, Cammy and Tucker, please, and maybe another Cammy? Are you willing to help us read? Is there anybody else that would like to read? Can I can I convince anybody else? There there could be candy involved in this. Will you go read for candy? Get that man a chair. <laughs> and, I, and I wasn't kidding. Oh, that's real candy. Yeah, Mrs. Curran buys oh, candy. She goes all out. Go yeah, pull, pull in another chair. I'll pull it up. <laughs> all right, does everybody have a, have a Bible? Mm-hmm. Open to Psalm 78, please. Who will start us? You want to start us yeah. off? Oh, really? How, how much do I read? One, one verse. It's a weird one reader rhyme. Everybody gets right. one All verse. Right. They keep reading. Read. It keeps going. Okay, sure. And we're going to go. All right. is, this, is this counterclockwise? Anticlockwise, yeah. Okay, this would be counterclockwise, okay? So here, I'll sit down with you guys. Am I going to feedback here, Jay? You going to cut me off? Okay. All right. We'll go this way.
1: Things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us we will not
2: hide from we will not hide them from their children but tell to but tell to the coming generations generation the glorious deeds of our Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done he established a testimony in
3: Jacob and appointed a law in Israel Which he commanded our fathers to teach to their children.
4: That the next generation might know them, and the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their their children.
0: So that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep
5: his commandments. And that they should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit
6: Armed with the bow, turned back on a day of battle.
1: They did not keep God's covenant, but refused to walk according to his law.
2: Um, oh. um, they, they forgot his works and the wonders that he had show, uh, shown them.
3: In the sight of their fathers, he performed wonders in the land of Egypt, in the fields of Zoan.
4: He divided the sea and let them pass through it. He made the waters stand like a heap.
0: In the daytime, he led them with a cloud and all the night with a fiery light. He
5: split rocks in the wilderness and gave them drink abundantly as from the deep.
6: He made streams come out of the rock and caused waters to flow down like rivers.
1: Yet they sinned still more against him, rebelling against the Most High in the desert. They tested
2: God in their heart by demanding the food they craved. They
3: spoke against God, saying, Can God spread a table in the wilderness?
4: He struck the rocks so that water, gushed out. And streams overflowed. Can he also give bread or provide meat for his people?
0: Therefore, when the Lord heard, he was full of wrath. A fire was kindled against Jacob. His anger rose against Israel.
5: Because they did not believe in God, and did not trust his saving power.
6: Yet he commanded the skies above, and opened the doors of heaven.
1: And he rained down on them manna to eat, and gave them the grain of heaven.
2: Man ate of the bread of angels, um, he sent uh, he sent them food in abundance.
3: He caused the east winds to blow in the heavens, and by his power he let out the south wind.
4: He rained meat on them like dust, winged birds like the sand of the seas.
0: He let them fall in the midst of their camp and all around their dwellings. When
5: they ate and were well filled. He gave them what they craved.
6: But before they had satisfied, their
1: the anger of God rose against them, and he killed the strongest of them and laid low the, men, the young men of Israel. In
2: spite of all this, they still sinned. Um, despite his wonders, they did
3: not believe. So he made their days vanish like a breath and their years in
2: terror.
4: When he killed them, they sought him. They repented and sought God earnestly.
0: They remembered that God was their rock, the Most High God.
5: They flattered him with their mouths. They lied to him with their tongues.
6: Their hearts were not steadfast toward him. They were not faithful to his company.
1: Yet he, being compassionate, atoned for their iniquity and did not destroy them. He restrained his anger often and did not stir up all his wrath.
2: He remembered that they were but, f- but flesh, a wind that passes and comes not again. How often they rebelled against him in
3: the wilderness, and grieved him in the desert.
4: They tested God again and again, and provoked the Holy One of Israel.
0: They did not remember his power, or the day when he redeemed them from the foe. When he
5: performed his signs in Egypt, and his marvels in the fields, and so on.
6: He turned to the rivers of blood, so that they could not.
1: He sent among them swarms of flies, which devoured them, and frogs, which destroyed them.
2: He gave their clo- their crops to the destroying locust, and the fruit of their labor to the locust. He
3: destroyed their vines with hail, and their sycamores with frost.
4: He gave over their cattle to the hail, and their flocks to thunderbolts.
0: He let loose on them his burning anger.
5: made a path for his anger. He did not spare them from death, but gave their lives over to the plague.
6: He struck down every firstborn in Egypt, the first fruits of their strength in the tents of him.
1: Then he led out his people like sheep and guided them in the wilderness like a flock.
2: He led them in in safety so that they were not afraid, but the sea overwhelmed their enemies
3: and he brought them to his holy land, to the mountain which his right hand had won.
4: He drove out nations before them. He appointed, he apportioned them for a possession, and settled the tribes of Israel and their tents. Yet
0: yeah, they tested and rebelled against the most high God, and did not keep his testament. They turned away, and
5: acted treacherously like their fathers. They twisted like a deceitful bow. For
6: they provoked to anger with their high places. They moved him to jealousy with their idols.
1: When God heard, he was full of wrath, and he utterly rejected Israel.
2: He forsook his dwelling at Shiloh, um, the tent where he dwelt among mankind.
5: 61.
3: 61. thank you. And delivered his power to captivity, his glory to the hand of the foe.
4: He gave his people over to the sword and vented his wrath on her- his heritage.
0: Fire devoured the young men and their young women, had no marriage song.
5: Their priests fell by the sword, and their widows made no lamentation.
6: Then the Lord awoke from his sleep, like a strong man shouting because of wine.
1: And he put his adversaries to rout, he put them to everlasting shame.
2: He rejected the tent of Joseph, um, he did not choose the tribe of Ephraim, but he chose the tribe of
3: Judah, Mount Zion, which he loves.
4: He built his sanctuary like the high heavens, like the earth, which he has founded forever.
0: He chose David, his servant, and took him from the sheepfold.
5: And following the nursing ewes, he brought him to shepherd Jacob, his people, Israel, his inheritance.
6: With upright heart, he shepherded them, and he guided them with his skillful hand.
0: Very good. or after the service, please do. All right, let's roll on into the first section, which is this call to instruction that Asaph makes. This call to attention, um, you know, it's like be ready to listen. It's a heralding. Um, there's very something very important that's going to be said, so you need to listen up. And that that really, you know, has to do with all of Scripture, and and everything we do, but. Um, I like to call it to, to attention here. There's something that you need to know. It's very interesting how he he puts in this verse, this verse two. Um, I guess I need a Bible. This verse two, which also Jesus talks talks of this verse, and and um, um, commentators had a little bit to say about it. And um, so the point is is that perhaps why this particular uh, phrase was used is the in and, and both places was that, one, you want full attention and you want full engagement. You want your brain totally engaged in this. This is like a riddle, okay? This is like something proverbial that, you, that, that maybe has a little bit of a twist to it, but you want to be engaged and you want to be thinking about how God is using these words to, uh, to draw you in, how God wants you to use these words from this historical piece. Okay. History should be passed on. Why? Why is history important? Anybody? Why should, we, why should we study history? I mean, for the historians, this should like light you up like a Christmas tree. <laughs> Who likes history? Nobody? <laughs> okay, Jay. Gives you a, a background. Decisions today. background to make- I like that, background for decisions. Like 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 there are new decisions to be made. <laughs> okay, go ahead, Rob. It lowers, your it lowers your expectations. Well thanks, Rob. <laughs> Tim, you have something else to add? You say that again? You can, learn about you can learn about people. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I don't study people very well. Some people can speed read people well. I can't do that. I'm 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 not wired that way. Yes. Yeah. So if not learn history, you can repeat it. Oh. You are destined to repeat it if you can't learn. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm a scientist, so it would be really bad if I went time and time again to the lab and did the same experiment and got the same stupid result. That would be, that would be foolish, right? And oftentimes in history, I think we kind of do that. We don't learn from our past, and we don't uh, study the past well enough, and we become very ignorant about us. But anyway, let's move on. I'll digress oftentimes, because again, if you didn't get the man looks like a heel in this passage piece yet, I'll, I'll try to bring that out a little bit more. Um, so these story needs to be passed on to others, um, not di- just to children. So it talked about generations to come, but I don't think just because you're not married with children that you're exempt. <laughs> Your job is to pass this on to any future generation, right? So at the grocery store, the way you behave, how you interact with people, uh, God's going to hold us accountable for those things because we know. Um, Not to hide from others. This is that hide piece. So why do we hide God's truths from others? Why do we not tell people that don't know of them, remind them about the Red Sea? Yes, Dave? That is definitely one reason. We, we do, because we think we're going to get, um, get the piranha attack and that it's gonna do no good. So that's one reason we do that. Is there any other goats we have of getting out of this? Mhm. you put the bushel over the candle. Yeah. Yeah, we definitely put the bushel over the candle for a lot of different reasons. Anything else? I would say it's going to be. Yeah. I agree. Tim, you got something? I know you do, but I, but but if you don't want to say it, I'm good. I think that's all very good. Um, Can I throw one more out that I don't think I heard? And it might just be me, but I think sometimes we don't love our neighbors enough to tell them, and it's really that simple. It is reaching out with that love of Christ and getting to know them and spending the time with them. And that's, that's a hard thing, and maybe that's just me, so I'll wear that one myself. Confessions from a Tim. But uh but I, I think that might be something in it in it too, yes. And another one is if you know someone you know someone and you know that they're very eagerly towards God or true. Okay. <clears throat> so why, why are we to tell? And these were like all throughout that, that scripture in the last few verses. Why are we to tell? So one of the reasons is just so people would know, this basic historical knowledge about what happened what has happened, what God has done. Yes? Verse
5: 5.
0: Yeah. We we, we need to do these things, right? From from a historical perspective, in the day we're growing up, a lot of people haven't heard about God. They don't know how the God of Israel ties into a New Testament God. They don't they don't believe all, any of that. When I was growing up, so, so sorry guys that are in the younger generation, um, things are gonna be much tougher than you than they were for me growing up, um, because there was this basic knowledge set of people that knew facts about, biblical facts. I don't think we have that this day. I don't think people read the Bible, whether it's a literary piece, or whether it's just, you know, they're, they're regularly attending a church, um, but it's it's a very different place of, of being and growing up. So if you are in a household where this is read, praise be to God. Take note of it, and and you know really, you know help help your help your uh, help your friends know these facts about God. This is a very hard thing. I, I mean, I, I find myself. I, I oftentimes have a guy at work or a couple guys at work that come to me and they say, they'll ask me questions. Well, what about? The, they're totally oblivious. This forget thing about the oblivious nature of forgetting. They they just they don't know it. They don't know about the Bible. They don't know anything about the Bible, what it says. There there'll be verses, you know, at a wedding that they attended, and they're wondering how it ties into marriage and so on and so forth, and they're just totally oblivious. Yes. So again, uh, that they would know God's marvelous works, Greg said, you pass it on, you're commanded to pass it on. Um, And the purpose is that people would set their hope in God. That they would not forget his works, that they would keep his commandments. So knowing all the awesome things, or at least a fraction, this isn't even, I mean, Described in the Bible is not all the awesome things God does, right? It's like a sliver. So if we know these things, why shouldn't it motivate us to keep his commandments? Well, It naturally should if we understand he's our creator. He created all things. He controls the molecules. He makes the sun go up and down. He knows the stars by name. Whatever your rub is or your issue or whatever, it's like he is definitely the go-to guy, but we shouldn't treat him like the Israelites treated um, God in this passage. And that we wouldn't be stubborn and rebellious like our forefathers, which, you know, this thing about parents is that, guess what? You grow up to be like your parents. So if there's things that you don't like in your parents, you will be saying them 10 years from now, maybe 20 but they're going to come out of your mouth. You just wait. That's not a threat. It's going to happen. And I'm not even a prophet. Okay. Let's go into the next to talk about some of these marvelous works, okay? Just, just really quick. Uh, so I kind of gave the first one away. The event that we're first going to talk about is what, what set this whole thing up. The Ark is stolen, and it wasn't by Mr. Jones. Okay, so this this passage, uh, you know, talks about the Ephraimites armed with a bow, turned back in the day of battle, um, and it gives the reason. So, a lot of things in history books that we read outside of the Bible, we don't get, you know, they're from somebody's perspective, and, That's what it's based on. Um, And I think what used to aggravate me when I would take history in college was it was just that professor's opinion. That's what it was. It's not a God opinion. It's not a truth opinion that you can take to the bank like what's written in the Bible, right? It's just somebody's opinion. Everybody's got an opinion. I could read the history and have a totally different take on something. And so now we have this rewriting of history, which is a danger in itself, but anyway. So it says that they forgot, that is the Israelites, his works and his wonders that he had shown them, Um, and that they refused to walk in his laws, and that came to their demise. So if you remember this passage um, in um, 1 Samuel 4, that is a lot of verses, anyway, before the routing described here, starting in verse 10, there was a previous routing. And in that previous routing, I think, the Israelites lost, I don't know, three or 5,000 people. And then they ran and turned, turned tail. And then they brought in the Ark of the Covenant to, to lead them. And there's all this firing up within the camp. And the, and the Philistines, of course, heard this. Okay? Is everybody remembering this story? And the Philistines heard this and this is that "quit you like men" uh, verse that comes out from the Philistines, and um, and so the Philistines take heart and they go into battle again and they shellack them again, and in this time they lose uh, thirty thousand footmen, so it's a total disaster. Moreover, um, Hophni and Phinehas, which were taking the ark, were killed. When news comes back to Eli, Eli falls over dead. Um, and his his uh, daughter-in-law uh, gives birth to Ichabod and dies during the process. So all these things are fulfilled. All these things are against Israel. And all these things God says was, at least in part, because of their inability to do that beginning part, okay? Everybody tracking? Okay, then from here, a, oh, a couple things. Um, Matthew Henry, I, I, I like Matthew Henry because he's pithy. He doesn't say a lot of words, but it's, it's a lot of stuff, okay? So he says of, of this verse, that sin to spirits and takes away the heart. It takes away the motivation to get up and go, it takes away the motivation to, to go out and do great things for the Lord. It, it, um, if you want to give this big victory to Israel, you just went out and got shellacked. So his, his point is, he believes that the, the armies went in half-heartedly, thinking that they could be lazy and God was gonna give them the victory. And then also, that forgetfulness of God's works is at the foundation of our disobedience to his laws. That's that's probably true. And why do we forget God? This goes back to Rob. Rob's been asking the whys a lot in these in, in these Sunday schools. Why this? Why why am I wired this way? Why am I? Um, why were the Israelites wired this way? The next is the parting of the Red Sea. So um, you know. God, God parted the Red Sea. I mean, these are just facts. But what do we believe from that event, right? So this is, you know, th- these waters in two heaps on either side, you know, it's, it's like an, a, a, a going to an aquarium, but you're walking through on dry land, and that, that just had to be marvelous. I can't imagine being an Israelite at that time walking through this, and I'm kind of glad I'm not. So this is described to us in, in um, Exodus 14. And um, the piece that isn't described in Psalm 7, 8 is the demise of the Egyptians, as like, you know, afterwards, and in the, in the walls of water closed down on them, how God not only marvel, marvelously saved his people, but that he also marvelously destroyed their enemies. <laughs> And it was very visible to everybody. So what can we say about God in this? from that passage, from that thinking? What can we say about him? What do you want to say about him? Hooray? Hooray for God? I want to be on the God team? Yeah, Jay? Anything else? Oh, he's very powerful. Yeah. How did he do this anyway? You know, you th- you think about you think about the way we operate. How would you build a wall of water? Well, you'd stick it behind a bunch of glass or plexiglass or something, right? And you'd fill it, fill something up. That's that's how you would build a wall of water. How did God build these walls? So this miraculous thing that He's got powers that, you know, He talks about creating winds and so on and so forth, but, you know, just what that he does. It, it's, it's just a marvel to think about these things, and I don't think we think about these things enough. But the fear piece is definitely in this passage. And that's here, Jay, you read ahead. So if you skip down to this last verse, um, Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians. So the people feared the Lord, and they believed in the Lord, and his servant Moses. Another event, the pillar in the fire. The pillar of cloud and the fire. Um, so in the daytime, they were led by a cloud and at night, fire. So um, again, these are miracles of God um, leading, leading his people, but he's leading his people. Despite the, his people being the way that they are, and that's in Exodus 13. Next one was um, water from the rock. There's two passages where they talk about uh, water from the rock. Um, he, he splits the rock in the wilderness and gave them drink abundantly, uh, as from the deep. And here is here is it in Exodus. Um, the people the people complain. Um, because they didn't have water, and they complained to Moses. So here's people's response to all the things that God had done to them, (laughs) and yet they respond like this. We don't have water. When we were in Egypt, we have water. Can we go back and get some water from Egypt? Um, It's just amazing um, to me, that that piece. Okay. And then in Numbers 20, and Pastor will get to that to come, uh, that he also um, he, he also provided water from a rock, and that's the instance where Moses whacked the rock and uh, God held him accountable for that act, and he didn't get to go into the Promised Land. Okay, and again, the people's response to God supplying their need was uh, they rebelled against him, um, and they craved more things. He was providing them with manna, they complained, said, "Oh, we want some meat. Give us some meat." God heard and was angry, but He still gave them meat. That's pretty amazing in itself. Um, so He commanded food to be rained down from them. He caused this east wind to blow, and then came the quails. And I, you know, as this is in the passage. Um, in Numbers, it's, and that's, that's what he talked about. Of course, everybody realizes that, right? That He talked about that in Numbers 11. Um, you know, I, I, I like that passage because, you know, God, God says he's going to give them quail until it comes out of their noses. Um, and he does, and they complain all the more. Uh, but before they were satisfied, They had satisfied their cravings. While the food was still in their mouth, the anger of God rose up against them and he killed the strongest of them and laid low the young men of Israel. In the Numbers passage, it's a little more clear as to why. Um, And uh, again, this is what we just read, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. Um, But they had a lot. And this whole idea that, you know, um, within this passage that, you know, the, the quail were just kind of around, flying around in this kind of space, this kind of air. They could catch them. They weren't just like on the ground. No, God held them so that they were just kind of fluttering around so that they could go and catch them and uh, go from there. I've never had quail, I hear it's yummy. Then man's response, in spite of all this, they still sinned, it didn't, it didn't uh, reform them. And then God's response to what man did, he, he forgave them and we know that how, how he forgave them was taking all their sin and piling up on the Lord Jesus Christ forgave their iniquity. He remembered that they were a whispering wind, that they're not going to be around long. (laughs) But they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. Um, So that limited word that I alluded to, um, Spurgeon said that, and I think uh, Lee Sillen said this, is, uh, had this sense of this presume presumed dictation of God when we start dictating to God, uh, when we distrust God and we, when we despair, these are all bad things that uh, we do. And this is what Spurgeon said from that one verse. Um, so yes. It's verse 41. Yea, they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. So did God's judgments reform these guys one, one bit? Did it change him? It really doesn't change him. So sometimes um, I, I think that when we receive the mercy of God, it emboldens us to sin more. Do you find that in your lives? Yes. Yes, Dave, go ahead. Yes. Uh um, so the the thing that I the, the most
5: important thing I forgot was the day he redeemed them from Israel. I'm mm. uh,
0: from Egypt. And um I think that's kind of the same thing that we struggle with, maybe that it, <laughs> Talk about me. Yeah. You could be talking about me too. Um, so, nevertheless, God continued despite all of the things that they did, despite all their push, pushing back on him, beside all their, besides all their presumptions, um, he had a plan to get them out of Egypt. He knew. He knew what was gonna go on in the wilderness too. That's the other bit we oftentimes gloss over. So all the plagues that came out of Egypt are are here. Um, Do we remember these things? Do we think of these things? Is this just a gone by, Uh, this happened to the Israelites and it really doesn't apply to me? Um, All these things do apply to us and that's why they're written down in the scriptures. Okay. Despite that, he led he led them out. He took them out of Egypt, across the Red Sea, and to to Mount Sinai. This people's response was just more rebellious and complaining. Um, I didn't talk about deceitful before, but you know, they twisted like a deceitful bow. And this is speaking about subsequent generations. Um, or some somebody different from their fathers, okay so this deceitful piece is like it's it has a little bit of slackness or laziness attached to it. It's like the picture of you pull back on an arrow and it will goes eh, maybe here it's it's like this idea of it, it's it's a it's a laziness of the people okay oh. What are some of the characteristics of God that God observed? Oh, and God revealing Himself to the people, what are some of the characteristics or attributes that you see of God in, in these passages, in all this middle section? We talked about some of them. What are some more? Some more have come out pretty greatly about God, about all the things that we depend on mercy and grace. He's jealous. Oh, if you've got idols in your life, he wants them out. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great one. What else? That he is <laughs> the yeah. There's a consequence to actions. We should take heed and be careful of things we do and say. Especially when, especially when they're against his commandments. We should be thinking more of his commandments, doing more of his commandments, loving him more for his mercy and grace. What else, anything? There's so much there. Yes, Dan. arms are definitely stretched out you definitely see that picture of you know a big bird with pinafores just wanting to cover you up and keeping you warm protected from everything yes Benny oh he is compassionate yeah do we forget God's compassion we do hmm what does it tell you about us Anything? Yeah. Prone to wander, yeah, yeah. You know, I had a had a had a had a story of one of my friends. He, his uh, during an interview process, somebody at a very high level asked him a question and said, "I hear that your um, horse is patoot. and his reply was, "I know how to be one, but I am not." So. I think I, I I think we can we can all be sometimes pretty pretty awful, and I think we we need to know that. But man definitely comes out in this passage as being a heel. But yes. Yes, Dave. To think about that one. But in the last part, pretty quickly, um, God has his plan. He won't be thwarted and he just moves on. That's how I see the last section of, of this. Um, it's much more than that, so I've really simplified it. We've kind of skipped along on a lot of these pieces. And if you delve into them, there's a lot of, stuff in there as you guys are bringing out and know. Um, But with an upright heart, he has provided leaders for us. And ultimately, to me, this section points to the Lord Jesus and his shepherding of his flock throughout the course of history. Jesus was that rock that provided the water. Jesus was everything. He is the manna that came down from heaven. He is all those things and more, and we need to see him as such. And with the grace and mercy he's bestowed on us, we need to love him even more. And so I hope this has given you and kind of fired you up and not been such a bummer, because God doesn't leave these people alone despite all the things that they did. He doesn't leave them alone. He's totally encouraging. He's totally compassionate. In the message of this psalm are the two things that we say constantly. It is repent and believe. You have believe, you don't have the repent part, but you have this turning away from God, turning back from God often described in this psalm. So to me, this this historical psalm encompasses the gospel and there's those two big messages as well as the command to go out and tell everybody in the world what's going on. So, Um, Oh, God comes to action for his namesake. Um, He teaches and protects and guides his his people there, and he does us today. It's kind of what I just said. And then there's a few questions, and I don't really think we have time for them, but we'll just click on these, and if anybody's got any responses to these, we can go through them. So... Why did, why, does, why did God do these marvelous things? Say that again. And reveal himself. God wants us to see his glory and um, he wants us to praise him glory. I think a couple of these other ones we've kind of covered. The bottom one is just a, a poke. Um, but we do need to make sure that we believe little things a little bit differently than the demons do. We're not good little demon believers. Um, we need to make sure our calling is true and uh, we need to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling, so there's a lot packed into that. Okay, I'm at the end of time, yes, Yes, he does. He does. Yeah. That's, that's why he, he does those miracles. Okay, I better close then. Let's close in prayer. Lord Jesus, we do thank you for this day. We thank you for uh, your word and how it should guide us and uh, control us and encourage us to walk in your ways and do great things uh, for you. Oh, Lord, um, look down upon us and have mercy on us. Um, For you are a compassionate God. You are slow to anger. Oh, Lord, strengthen us to walk in your ways, to remember the things that you've done in our past, and to keep your commandments and point others to it. In Jesus' name, amen.